Hello, my name is Robert Fleming, and I'm one of the partners in the Tucson, Arizona elder law firm of Fleming and Curdy PLC. One of the other partners is Elizabeth Noble Rawlings Freeman, who's sitting with me here today. We are going to talk about trust reporting. Notice that I didn't use the word trust accounting, Elizabeth. We're talking about uh, what kinds of reports trustees are required to give to the beneficiaries and to anyone else. Well, Robert, what on earth is the report that you're speaking of? Is it a bank statement? Is it an essay? When you say report, I get nightmares about being in second grade and, and <laughs> trying to figure out my book report. And I guess we really need to say, to be very clear, that we are talking about Arizona law. So be care very careful, please, if you are listening to this and you have a trust, you are the trustee, or you are relying on a trustee who is not an Arizona trustee or of a trust that is not an Arizona trust. Maybe we could talk a little bit about what that means. But by report, I just mean the information that a trustee has to give to beneficiaries or to somebody else, perhaps, which is mostly about account information, but not necessarily solely about account information. It might be about time spent in trust administration. It might be about what the prospects for resolving the trust might be. Uh, a more global definition of information that the trust beneficiaries are entitled to receive. So something like an inventory might be included in the report that you're talking about. Exactly right. And an inventory in a general way showing present values of assets, not necessarily just the tax acquisition value or some other arbitrary number, which is not to say that every trust needs to be appraised every year, but the beneficiaries are entitled to information. So Robert, when we talk about this report, it would also probably include things about how much income investments were generating, what kinds of expenses were paid by the trustee, maybe things about whether or not there were assets that weren't investments, but that might be real estate, things like that. Exactly. The Arizona law, which, by the way, is based on the Uniform Trust Code, which has been adopted in some version in almost every state, the Arizona law says that the trustee is obliged to give the beneficiaries the information they need to adequately protect their interests. So that, that implies that there's a trust cop out there somewhere who's regulating the kinds of reports, who's judging whether your reports are any good, uh, like your second grade teacher. But that's not correct. Unlike your second grade experience, Elizabeth, there is nobody who is overseeing the entire administration of trusts, except, of course, for those trusts that go through the court process. And there are some that have to account to the court. So, Robert, I guess one of the things that I think about when we talk about trust reports is we talk often about the frequency of when they might be due. And, and most of the time when we work with clients who are acting as trustees or Fleming and Curdy as trustee of a trust, we do this annually. So we'll give a report to the trust beneficiaries annually. But on occasion, sometimes we have trustees come and ask us, are they obligated to provide information, say a copy of a bank statement or an updated inventory, if a beneficiary requests it? I tend to say that they're not required, but it's a nice thing to do. Transparency is generally something that we encourage when we work with trustees and is certainly, I think, a best practice here that we employ when we act as a trustee. I, I think you're absolutely right, Elizabeth. The, the better practice is to give regular, frequent reports 
whether you want to call them accountings or just reports is up to you, but to give lots of information. And, and here's a key under at least Arizona's version of the Uniform Trust Code. If you tell beneficiaries that they have the right to challenge the information that you've just given them, and they don't do anything for one year, they no longer are able to challenge what you've done, uh, what you've disclosed to them. So that really suggests that transparency is something that the court process is trying to promote as Arizona law is as well. Absolutely correct. And, uh, and remember that they have to be given reasonable information about their position, about, about the rights that they need to protect in order for that one year period to be effective. So if you give a summary, very cursory account to the beneficiaries and you wait a year and think, aha, I got them. They didn't know about the secret account that I maintained in Switzerland, although I guess you can't maintain secret accounts in Switzerland anymore. Uh, no, you're wrong. That didn't save you because you didn't disclose the secret account in, in Switzerland. You needed to disclose it in order to be uh, to have your liability cut off after that year. And Robert, when I talk to people about trust reports, I talk to them about the fact that the trust might not say an annual report is required, or alternately, a trust might say that the trustee is always required to give a certain kind of report. And so that's oftentimes confusing to a trustee. What kind of report in the rules should a trustee follow? The terms of the document or Arizona law? You know, it's, it's even more confusing than that, Elizabeth. The trust might say the trustee is not obliged to give any reports at all. And that doesn't change the fact that in Arizona, the trustee is still required to give some minimum level of reports. If the trust says you have to give more frequent reports or more detail, or you have to report specific things, that will control. But Arizona law says at a bare minimum, any qualified beneficiary, and that's a, a magic term, a qualified beneficiary, that's not everybody who's related to a trust, just people who are entitled to request information. If a qualified beneficiary requests information, the trustee has to give it to them. And if they don't, they could be removed as trustee. And more to the point, if they don't fully disclose information, then their liability for later actions may never be reduced. They could be on the hook indefinitely. So Robert, if I'm a trustee, I'm trying to follow the trust terms, and one of the beneficiaries is badly in need of a distribution. The other beneficiary may not need the distribution at the same time, but the terms of the trust say I'm supposed to make equal distributions. Are you saying then that my annual trust report has to include information about the way that I may have distributed early to beneficiary A, but not to beneficiary B? Absolutely. If beneficiary B's interests are affected by the distribution to beneficiary A, you have to give them the information. Now, does that mean you can't make a distribution to beneficiary A until you've raised enough cash to make no, no distributions or equal distributions? No, not necessarily. You just need to be reasonable. So if you had an emergency that arose for beneficiary A and you made a distribution and you simultaneously directed the liquidation of, of assets to make a distribution to beneficiary B, you've probably satisfied the requirement. But today we're talking not about impartiality and fairness between beneficiaries. We're talking about reporting information both beneficiary A and beneficiary B in our imaginary trust case are entitled to all of the information. 
Well, Robert, this is quite a startling thing for some of our clients when we meet with them because they were under the impression that when you have a trust, there's privacy and there's secrecy within that trust document. And it protects the trustee trying to make wise decisions, sometimes with beneficiaries who can be difficult people. Oftentimes when we sit down with with folks and have these conversations, whether we're talking about somebody in their estate plan or we're working with a trustee after after the death of a family member, it is often a surprise. People don't realize trusts do, in fact, keep some information private, but actually the, the disclosure is something that you just can't avoid. Absolutely right, Elizabeth. And, and privacy in that context usually means privacy from the courts, privacy from the public. That information is not going to be out in the public domain, but the beneficiaries are entitled to it. I feel like I need to back up and say, in our imaginary case where there's a beneficiary A and a beneficiary B, and you have to disclose to both of them, that's actually kind of a less common case than the trust that says, on my death, this trust is to be divided into two trusts. Trust A for beneficiary A and trust B for beneficiary B. If that's the kind of the structure, and the same person is trustee of both, they're not required to give, inf- not necessarily required to give information to each of the beneficiaries about the other one's trust. And in the appropriate circumstance, they may be precluded from giving information to the other beneficiary, the beneficiary of the other trust. So uh, if that sounds confusing, it is. If that sounds hard to figure out exactly what your di- liabilities and, and duties are, that's correct. You got it. This is why you need legal advice in the administration of a trust. So, Robert, one last question for me about these trust reports. Do I have to have a CPA put the report together, or can I print things like bank statements and do a chart in my Word document? And How, how technical do they need to be? In fact, uh, paradoxically, no, that's not the word I'm looking for. Ironically, There is an Arizona case on exactly that question in which the trustee just sent bank statements and brokerage statements and a copy of the check register to the beneficiary. And the beneficiary complained that it was not a full accounting and it should be done in the traditional uh, trust accounting methods that have been approved by courts in the past. And the reason it's ironic is because the trustee in this case was a CPA who just uh, copied documents and sent them off to the trust, to the beneficiary, trust beneficiary. And the Arizona Court of Appeals said, that's enough. There's no formality required by the Arizona Trust Code. It doesn't have to look like a particular thing. You just have to give the beneficiary enough information so they can protect their interests. And in this case, that told the beneficiary what the value of the assets was what the expenditures had been, what the income had been, what the tax consequences were. I'm sorry, I neglected to say that the trustee gave them a copy of the tax return as well. And so there were not other questions that the, that the beneficiary could ask. It was, a, it was sufficient. However, all that said, I would tell a trustee, hire a CPA. It is a, a very reasonable expenditure of funds, and you get a much clearer statement than just a, a bunch of photocopied documents. The other thing, Robert, is for those um, trustees that we have working closely with the CPA already, you know, the CPA is going to want some of these documents sooner rather than later anyway. And so it's not necessarily a duplication of that uh, CPA's 
work or work product if what's happening is they're actually using that report to help prepare a tax return or vice versa. So it's actually all going to happen at some point that you do need to reveal the records and provide them to the CPA because more likely than not, you'll have to file a tax return for the trust. So I, I appreciate lear learning about this more today. It's something that we frequently get questions about from our clients and people calling to make appointments. And I would say to those of you that may be listening today who are getting sweaty palms, uh, don't worry if you're a trustee who has not yet done any kind of formal reporting. We meet with people every day who come in and they may have been a trustee of a trust for umpteen years and have never done a formal trust report. That's okay, it's not too late to start, but the longer you put it off, the more complicated it will be to report. And for those of you who are acting as trustee of a trust for somebody who may be a vulnerable adult or has a learning disability of some sort may not be able to appreciate the technicality of a trust report, that does not mean they're not still required to get one. So please, you know, call an attorney, call our office. We're happy to talk about this with you. And I think we need to close, Elizabeth, with we are talking about Arizona law. We're talking about Arizona trusts. If you live in, pick a state, Montana, and you wish that you could hire Arizona lawyers to help administer your trust, well, we can kind of guess what Montana law is. I happen to know that Montana has adopted the Uniform Trust Code, but you probably want to have a, a Montana lawyer, not us. Uh, if your trust is an Arizona trust, that is to say, you live in Arizona and you are administering the trust in Arizona, and especially if the trust document says it's governed by Arizona law, then we might be able to help you. If you're living in New York and your trust says it's governed by Florida law and, uh, and, and all the beneficiaries live in New Jersey, we probably can't help you. Arizona law, that's what we know, that's what we do here at Fleming & Curdy PLC a Tucson, Arizona elder law firm. I'm Robert Fleming. I've been chatting with Elizabeth Noble Rawlings Freeman. Hey, Elizabeth, I said in the course of our conversation today that one day maybe we would talk about the definition of qualified beneficiaries. I'd just like to promise everybody that will be next week's podcast topic. We hope you'll join us then. Thanks, everybody.